Hello and welcome to episode 114 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber. I am joined by Paul Herman. How you doing, Paul? It's a uh, lot better to live in Seattle right now because it's a little bit warmer and it's nice and uh, I don't have to turn my heater on anymore and that is a relief for me. It's going to get a little bit colder, but I'm very, very ecstatic that the sun is is back somewhat. So yes, I'm doing very, very well. Happy to hear that you're nice and toasty in Seattle, or toasty yes. enough for now. Toasty enough. I like that. Toasty yeah. enough. It's perfect. So we've been working on this In the Endgame series for the past several weeks here on the podcast, although we had to take a two-episode detour recently for our Captain Marvel spoiler review and then our Avengers Endgame trailer breakdown. So hopefully you had a chance to check out those episodes. But now we will resume, as planned, our In the Endgame series. So when it comes to bigger news topics, uh, we're going to be addressing those v- usually via the Patreon credit scene. So for example, for this episode, uh, the James Gunn news with him being reinstated for Guardians 3, we're going to talk about in the, talk about that in the Patreon credit scene, and I'll give you more information on that throughout the show. Uh, but the topic of this In the End Game episode is going to be Black Widow and Hawkeye. So as we saw with Vision and Scarlet Witch, there are going to be episodes where we have to do multiple characters in order to get this all done uh, before Avengers Endgame hits theaters. But there are also characters that haven't had their own movies that maybe don't have quite as much material for us to go over in terms of their history in the MCU up to up until this point. Uh, but for Black Widow and for Natasha Romanoff and for Clint Barton, these characters are linked because we know they had a, a relationship or friendship that dates back to uh, prior to us even meeting them in the MCU. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. But before we get all of that fun started, uh, we need to have some additional fun by thanking some people. We have a lot of people to thank. We have a lot of new people who joined our Patreon after that Avengers Endgame trailer breakdown episode. So thank you very much to Matt Miller, Linus Forsgren, Ken Hui, Patrick Farrell, Robin Nystrom or Nystrom, Aaron Shalini or Shalini, Victor Humphrey, Eric Pessoa, Chris Vaughn, and Garrett. So they are the latest patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News, where we have exclusive content that's not available anywhere else. I mentioned the Patreon credit scene, so we take our main topic of conversation, but then we discuss something else, uh, Usually, and we usually attach those to almost every, of the, every one of these main episodes that we do. So for this episode, uh, for episode 114, the Patreon credit scene, we'll be talking about the James Gunn news for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, but we also do... Q&A shows. I host a daily news show, the Daily Bugle on the Marvel Studios News Patreon. Uh, and they, we also have, a when you do subscribe on the Patreon, on the Patreon, you get your own RSS link uh, that you can put into a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts. So you can get the main show and the Patreon content all in one feed. And as an additional bonus, because uh, we have those Patreon credit scenes available at just a dollar a month, uh, if you're a Patreon on any level, you get this main show 24 hours before the rest of the internet gets it. So for all the information we have on all the various tiers that we offer and all the different exclusives that we offer, go over to patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. So with the shameless plug out of the way, uh, Paul, let's go ahead and move on to our topics of conversation. Let's start with your favorite, because uh, I think we're going to spend more time on Natasha. So let's save her for a little bit. Uh, let's start. We're going to let's start with Clint Barton and his path through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I'm really yeah. interested to know what you have to say on this, because I just know that this is uh, this is a character who's very near and dear to your heart. For the record, Hawkeye has always been one of my 
more favorite Avengers from the comic books. And I want to make that very clear that I've always loved that character. I love the costume. I love the characterization of the comic book uh, that the comic books have brought uh, Clint Barton and the kind of checkered past that he had and just how that he is just a, a loner at heart, but he tries to reach out and fails. I love that about the comic book inter- or interpretation. That obviously is not what we have in the MCU. And for whatever reason, I just have not been able to connect with the Hawkeye character and what we're given with in the MCU. Now, with all that being said, there are some things about this version that I I can get behind here or there. I actually didn't mind him too much in the first Avengers film. And it's one of those things where it's, you know... I, I I like the idea that he was being manipulated by Loki. I, I, that didn't bother me as other people did. Uh, in retrospect, I thought it w- it worked really well. It made it, it kind of gave it kind of show, showcase uh, Hawkeye kind of what he can do without the Avengers and and kind of what you know without undermining him when when in the Battle of New York. Because let's face it, when the Battle of New York happens, it's like him and Black Widow become kind of. Even Captain America, they're just kind of on the sidelines, like they didn't like just helping civilians, which I love that part, by the way. But it was nice to see them kind of in their own elements a little bit and seeing Hawkeye kind of what he's good, what he's good for. The fact that, you know, obviously Nick Fury trusts him, that he's a loyal S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Um, you know, I, I, one of my favorite parts, um, not one of my favorite parts, but a part that I've always really liked is in the Avengers when uh, Selvig is talking to Nick Fury and he says, where's Agent Barton? You know, where's Agent Barton? He goes, the hawk up at his nest as usual. And I love that reference. It's so perfect. And he's up there, you know, seeing things, you know, from above. And I love the fact that when he's talking to Nick Fury is, well, I see better. I see things better from a distance. And I just love that. Acknowledge the fact that this guy has got a keen sense of a natural sense of, of, of seeing things from a different perspective than other people. It gives him the advantage of being this master archer, if you will. So there's a lot of great elements that I think that, that Joss Whedon put into the character at first, but I think ultimately where Hawkeye has kind of gone down for me is, and again, people have heard me complain a ton about it. So I don't want to drag it too much into this, but one of the things that I never, or still can't get into is the fact that Clint Barton has a secret family that he's just hiding out with. And it just never really stuck true to me. And it just feels like it was shoehorned into, uh, to the age of Ultron for this whole purpose of we got our, we got our, our butts beat. So let's go with our tail between our legs and run. And where are we going to run to? Let's run to where our Ultron doesn't know about the secret family of Clint Barton. And it's just, uh, <laughs> it's just, it just doesn't work for me at all. I always joke about, it would have been amazing um, that if uh, what if they were all uh, life model decoys that Hawkeye made, like that would have been amazing <laughs> and that he would have created them all himself because he's a lonely guy. Like, like how amazing would that be? I mean, like that is so perfect, but no, it's too good to be true. So, and uh, I had a similar thing, by the way, side note with uh, Superman returns with the little kid. I always thought like, oh man, it's so lame that he's a Superman's kid. But what if he's like an abomination from Lex Luthor somehow made to think that the Superman's kid, but yeah, obviously that, that wasn't going to happen either. But anyway, I digress. So with, with Hawkeye, you know, he just is, I'll, I'll give it this. 
he's really inconsistent. And that's my main problem with the character. Jeremy Renner, I think, is okay as Hawkeye. He's not great. He's not terrible, but he's never, like, blown me away. And again, the characterization that they've created for him just has not lived up to what, what I think the comic book uh, characterization has turned into and has become. And yes, he is a chauvinist. I don't like that about him in the comic books, but it gives him he is a flawed character. And that's why I like Hawkeye in the comic books. He's a flawed character. He's not Captain America. He's not, you know, he's not this uh upbiting uh secret agent where he's like, I defend America and I am, you know, eat apple pie like Captain America. No, he's like a jerk. He's selfish. He's he's basically Lance from Agents of a Shield. Bobby's husband, ex-husband, because in the comics, Hawkeye was Bobby, uh, a.k.a. Mockingbird's husband. So if you want to know who Hawkeye is, it's basically Lance from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from a couple seasons ago. So, but anyway, Jeremy Renner, just I feel like what they've done has just really, it just made him really uninteresting to me, again, in my opinion, and has not made him as what he could be again, giving him a little bit more vulnerability and giving him a little bit more of an edge, I, I, at least personally that I think that is missing and lacking in the character. And I think that, that the few times we do get moments, like when he tells Scarlet, Witch, like, like, like at that moment in age of Ultron, we both like a lot where he tells, yeah. you know, want to hey, listen, I've, I've got a bow, you know, this is nothing. None of this makes sense. Like it, he has his moments and Renner can deliver great moments. I don't want to undermine him. I love Renner in the Hurt Locker. He's a good actor. I love him in the town. Like he's a great actor. I don't want to undermine him, but just how he portrays Hawkeye and the, and what's written for him just has not translated. And I, it's hard for me yeah, I mean, to care. I, I think, well, yeah, I, I get your point. I mean, I think he's done as much as the material would allow an actor to do. Now, I, I think the biggest problem with Hawkeye and I, yeah. I like Hawkeye, way more than you do, but even in the MCU, uh, I mean, I like him in the comics as well. Uh, I love Hawkeye in the comics, uh, but I also appreciate what we've seen in the MCU, but they're still outside of that moment in Avengers Age of Ultron. It hasn't been great stuff for Hawkeye. It's either been completely inconsequential, like a lot of the mind control stuff in Avengers, or it's just been stuff that it just hasn't resonated in the way that other characters have. And that Natasha has, because I, I know we're going to spend way more time talking about her and for good reason. Uh, but with Clint Barton, you know, he had his little cameo in Thor. And I actually liked how he was the more he watched Same. Thor fight, like the more he was like, oh, you better call it, Captain, because I'm starting to like this guy. Or yep. sort of root for this guy. Like, I like that moment. Good little start. Good little cameo. Uh, but then in Avengers, you know, I... I didn't mind the mind control stuff. No, like I'm not trying to like double, double use the word mind, but I didn't have a problem with it <laughs> um, because I, I understood the Avengers. There's a lot of moving parts to this. We kind of we can't, you know, we got to give Hawkeye something to do, and but you know we can't have him be. We get we got too many characters on the Hellcarrier. They're trying to interact with each other, so we kind of got to remove somebody from that equation. So it's going to be Hawkeye. Okay, I get it. Fine. Uh, I, I was willing to to roll with that, but I think. Joss Whedon obviously felt bad about that. And so I think he maybe overcompensated yeah. in Avengers mm -hmm. Age of Ultron with the whole family thing. I, I'm not against the idea of Hawkeye having a family. I actually thought it was a... But in some ways, I, I respect the, or I, I recognize it as a bit of a cheat. As like, how do I, in two seconds, give Hawkeye way more depth and backstory? Oh, well, let me just instantly give him a family out of nowhere. 
then now you realize that Clint Barton is a real person. He's a father and he's a husband and, and all of that, even though there's been no indication of those things up until this point. Uh, but I'm, I was still willing to roll with it because I still liked Renner's performance. I liked the interaction between him and Linda Cardellini, who was playing his wife. So I liked a lot of those I liked a lot of those elements, and then he does have that great speech with Scarlet Witch and also has a, a great comedic moment in that battle where he draws his arrow on Quicksilver like no one would know. Um, like I, I love that, and having the moment with Quicksilver when Quicksilver dies and, and teasing the idea that Hawkeye is going to die in the Battle of Sokovia, and he goes and saves the kid, and then Quicksilver saves them both. Like There's good material in Avengers Age of Ultron, but then he's a little dopey in Captain America Civil War. I mean, he's fine, but a little dopey. Like, he has... I, I don't know why he would just, like, stop and stand completely still and just be like, I'm Clint. We haven't met. I'm Clint. Black Panther just don't care. Yes. It's like, yeah, of course he wouldn't care. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of a funny beat, but it also makes Clint look really dumb. And not in, like, a Hawkeye's kind of an idiot kind of way, just in, like, a nobody's this dumb kind of way. <laughs> um <laughs> So I wasn't really a big fan of his turn in Civil War. I thought he was okay. Uh, you know, I still continue to like him, and maybe it's because I just like Jeremy Renner as an actor, and I still like his presence, even if he doesn't always have the best material. But I am pretty encouraged by what we see in Avengers Endgame, because this is a character who's... He was the guy, if we're just really talking about his character, like, he was he was the one who was able to let go. He was the one who was really able to give up the superhero life when the accords came about, it's like, well, he eventually had to he he helped out, but then when he got arrested, he took his plea deal, went on house arrest just like Scott Lang did. But unlike Scott, who inevitably went back to being Ant Man and had to hide it, Clint presumably, we maybe we'll find out differently, but presumably he didn't go back to being Hawkeye. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't go back to avenging or any of that stuff. And we can see in the trailer, there's a moment where it looks like he's really just enjoying being a dad, being a husband, being with his family, and he's happy. And this is probably the moment before it all just gets taken away from him via the snap. And so that, I think this is probably going to be the most compelling material we've seen from Hawkeye as as the one Avenger who has actually been able to accept and enjoy retirement and at least was able to for a couple of years between Civil War and Avengers Endgame, and then to have everything taken away, and what does that do to him? You know, how does that change him as we see him being Ronin in these trailers? I think there's a lot of compelling material for Hawkeye, and I think, I I really hope that this is going to be the stuff where Jeremy Renner is going to get to kind of flex a little bit as an actor in a way that he hasn't really had very many opportunities. Outside of one really great speech in Avengers Age of Ultron, he hasn't had those kinds of opportunities and so I think if he gets those opportunities in Endgame, and it looks like he's going to, then I think we're going to see that we can. Uh, there's going to be a lot more reasons to care about this character because even though you know the family bit may not work all that well in Avengers: Age of Ultron, there might be some issues with it. I overall like it, but there are some issues with it. Uh, I don't doubt that Clint Barton loves his family, and so when that gets taken away from him, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he responds. And we obviously see that based on the way Natasha reacts to him in the trailer that, you know, this is a very painful experience and it's painful for her to see her friend going through this. Yeah. And I think that's a great point that I think the Russos are going to turn that and, and, and we're going to see 
a very different Hawkeye in Endgame. And I think that's ultimately will be interesting. I people know Insomnia around Christmas time when uh, the leak of his his costume came out. I was not a fan of the Ronin costume. It was just like kind of like grown. Have to, you have to show Renner's eyes. You can't you know you have to you can't be like the comic book version, which is way cooler. But I don't like the hood. But anyway, that all being said. I will say it will be nice to see kind of Renner do something different and have a little bit of an edge to him and have that kind of going for him where he has to get his family back. And and maybe he and when, when he's going up against Thanos and, and with the Avengers, he doesn't know if his family's going to be come back after you yeah. know, post snap or, or whatever. We don't know if they know. Obviously, we can have an idea, but they maybe they don't at the time. And that's what's kind of going to be interesting to see. Well, they certainly don't have can, any guarantees, even if they have an idea. Right. And so I yeah. So as far as Clint Barton and and, and, and the in the end game movie, I I'll be honest, I, I would love for him to get sacrificed for thinking that his family is gone. I mean, I, I'm and I'm not saying that because I don't really like this iteration of the character. I just think it makes sense. I mean, it just he, he has nothing. To, he has nothing to lose. He has everything to, you know, to give to defeat Thanos, it would make sense. And I don't know. I, I just, I think there would be a, a fitting end to, to Clint Barton and, and sacrificing himself for the family. And maybe that that's kind of the, 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 the part where the, maybe the Kate Bishop character is, ends up being uh Hawkeye daughter. I don't know. Something I mean, it like could that, be but... Hawkeye's daughter. I know she has a different name. It's like Lila or Lila Barton on IMDb, but what's IMDb worth? So you can't always yeah. take that as the gospel, but I mean, it could be either. I mean, it could be either his daughter takes the place of Kate Bishop for the purposes of the MCU or something to that effect. Although, I have a harder time seeing Clint Barton dying in Avengers Endgame for the same reason that I didn't ultimately think he was going to die in Avengers Age of Ultron. It's just too easy to kill him. I think that's why. It's like, it just doesn't have the emotional impact that a death should have. And so I I just, but it could, I mean, depending on maybe they would be successful in, in doing so much with Clint Barton in that film that when you get to the point where he would die that everybody in the audience would care, or almost everybody in the audience would care. Um, So I could see him dying in Endgame. I mean, and maybe his daughter, like, she comes back, and then, like, she, you know, picks up the mantle. We already saw that she's, you know, at least learned how to use the bow and arrow at least a little bit, so there's something to build on there. But I I don't know. I I lean towards thinking Clint Barton is going to make it, um, because you've already explained that that this guy can retire and stay retired. So if he gets his family, like, you don't have to kill him in order to remove him from the story. You can just have him be like, okay, I got my family back. See you guys. I'm out. And and it works, though. But it works because you already know that he successfully retired and stayed, you know, stayed out of the action for two years. And and he would have stayed out of the action had the snap never happened. So I I could see Clint making it. Uh, But I also think for Hawkeye, I mean... In terms of his end game, I don't necessarily know that that retirement for him would be permanent because the whole Disney Plus thing just this is going to come up. I mean, it's already come up with Vision and Scarlet Witch, and it's going to come up again and again for this because now that there is this other place, you know, this other venue for characters, this other medium that Marvel Studios has, other whole whole other storytelling format. 
they can tell stories about characters that maybe weren't going to get their own movies, and and Hawkeye would certainly qualify in that respect. So we could get a Disney Plus series where Hawkeye trains, either continues training his daughter or trains Kate Bishop or whoever it is to come in and be the new Hawkeye of the MCU. So there's still, there's a lot of things out there for Hawkeye that I think he could do in the future, or he could just stay retired. I don't think you need to kill him uh, in order to remove him from the story if you want to for a little while. Um, while at the same time, I just, he he feels too easy to kill in order to, for me to think that that's what's going to happen. But maybe the Russos, you know, take the easy route and they kill Clint Barton <laughs> amongst others uh, in this film. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But let's talk about Natasha Romanoff. Um, this is a character who's had a really, really interesting journey in the MCU. Uh, also, a really interesting path in terms of how I think the audience has responded to her. Because I don't think people loved her in Iron Man 2. Um, That's true. I yeah. liked her in Iron Man 2, but I didn't love the character in Iron Man 2. But I don't think that was really Scarlett Johansson's fault. I mean, it's no, not any one single person's fault with Iron Man 2. It's just not one of the best Marvel movies. It's usually it's frequently at the near the bottom of most people's MCU lists. And so that's not necessarily the greatest spot. But I remember, even though I, I liked her just fine, but I wasn't totally loving the character after Iron Man 2... But then with her first scene in Avengers, I was like, okay, I'm on board with this character. This character is a lot of fun. And she's really interesting. And she had that great scene with Loki where he thinks he's like emotionally torturing her and she's just letting him talk until she gives, until she gets information and, you know, talk, but also hinting at the same time, the red in her ledger and, and all of these different things that she's been, uh, that she's been dealing with. And when she was recruited by shield, and I know some of that stuff is probably going to be explored in her solo movie. Uh, but then when we see her in winter soldier, it's been this very interesting arc for this character because she went from somebody who didn't really have friendships. She had one with Clint Barton, uh, close enough to be one of the few people who knows that he has a family. Uh, but outside of that, she's not really making a lot of friends. She doesn't really see herself as wanting to be connected to anyone because, uh, as she says, it's a good way not to die in Captain America the Winter Soldier. So we've just seen this really interesting path for Natasha. And as she's trying to explore the idea of human connection and doing and allowing herself to have relationships and feelings that she had denied herself for so long in her life. That's why I actually like the Bruce Banner romance in Avengers Age of Ultron is it just kind of seems along the same. It, it continues along that path for Natasha from a, a personal perspective, not not so much the superhero portion of it or the spy portion of it, but somebody who's denied themselves human relationships, human intimacy to go from trying to expand and, and have more friends to now try and see if there's a relationship that, that maybe romance is possible and trying that with Bruce Banner and not having it work out. And then it becomes a little, you know, awkward in uh, obviously in that moment in Avengers Infinity War. But then go, even going through Captain America Civil War, you have this character who is trying to she's trying to do the right thing. She obviously has a, a troubled path, uh, a troubled past, a checkered past, things that she's done that that she shouldn't have, that she regrets. Um, and most of that, I don't know that she ever, I don't know how much of a choice she ever really had, but you know, she's been through all of these different things and she's trying to do the right thing and she's trying to find the path for what exactly the right thing is. And in Civil War, she ends up in a position where she thinks she's doing the right thing by abiding by the law and going along with the Sokovia Accords, but then she ultimately feels like that's not right. And she makes the choice to betray Team Iron Man and that uh, puts her in a position where she has to get on the run and eventually join Cap's Secret Avengers or Steve's Secret Avengers, since he doesn't was kind of rejecting the title of Captain America at the time. But 
it's just been this interesting path for Natasha. She's trying to find this path to being, you know, uh, to being on the right side of things while also allowing herself to be human and have different relationships and, and have, uh, you know, as I said, connection with other people and things that she's previously denied herself. So to see all of that coming to a head, uh, but then the pain that she feels with one of her, you know, longest and, and truest and closest friends in Clint Barton in Avengers Endgame, you know, it's it's an interesting thing for Natasha because in the it's like she's trying to go back to what she knows. Like we see her firing at a target. It's like a gun isn't going to be what beats Thanos. But what else does she do? You know, that's her world. That's what she knows. She's trying to find something, you know, some outlet for this aggression that she's feeling. Uh, but she has some really great lines about, you know, we, we owe it to the people not in this room to try. And, and I like that about Natasha, that somebody who's, you know, was trying to everything she could to not form connections with people is now the person who's so connected to the people who aren't in the room that she's ready to go and fight for them. And she's not even sure how she just knows that she has to try. Uh, I love everything that they've, you know, I really love this path that Black Widow has been on. And I love what they're setting up uh, or appear to be setting up based on the marketing for Endgame so far. Yeah, Scarlet Witch or Scarlet Witch, excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, Black Widow. Oh, I got sorry, said Scarlet Witch, excuse me. I'm probably thinking of the previous scene from Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch. Now, Black Widow was always one of those uh, interesting characters that, you know, it, it was weird because when they were first making the MCU with Iron Man, Captain America, they're bringing in all their Again, lack for a better term at this point, were their B and C list heroes for their universe. And Thor, Cap, and Iron Man were always like the, the second or third tier. I would say I always put Cap and Thor second tier. Iron Man was kind of borderline two, a lot of times a three. And obviously, these are you know, these are the characters that have some kind of you know. Um, I wouldn't say household name, but the people are vaguely familiar with, with at least with Thor, with Cap, with Hulk. I don't want to forget him, of course. So with all these characters that they're you know they're trying to promote and have some kind of uh, uh, some kind of familiar, familiarity, if you will, they had to come out and and introduce other characters with this. And uh, again, we need some other female heroes. And it was interesting that they went with Black Widow because Black Widow is not always is not has always been like a semi-popular character, but she's always been in just random, you know, never had her own series besides maybe a mini series here or there. If that, I don't even know if off the top of my head, if she did or not, maybe in the somewhere, somewhere in the mid nineties in the comic book boom, but she never really had her own series. She was well liked, but she was all over the place. She was like daredevils, like side, not sidekick, but like partner for a while, both romantically and also like working relationship where they, they fought crime together. She was part of shield, part of the Avengers. I mean, there was a comic. Uh, I, I did no idea when I was reading this, I was reading a Spider-Man comic uh, from the early sixties or late sixties, if you will, early, 70s around that time and black widow had a totally different looking costume and in that very spider-man comic and i'll i'll whip out the the number here in a second in that spider-man comic she dons her regular all black outfit like oh this is more like it she tried to to fight spider-man because she was she named herself black widow and said this is how i'm going to prove myself i defeat spider-man it was just like what crazy like like basically natasha's been all over the place you know, all over the map in the Marvel universe. And, you know, it was one of those things where I thought it was interesting. They went that direction because she was an Avenger, but it was just kind of, she wasn't like a prominent Avenger. And when they, when they introduced her as uh, agent of shield in Iron Man two, I thought, okay, that makes sense. 
and I, I am one of the one of the few people in fandom I feel who actually defends Iron Man two. I I really like Iron Man two. It's got problems, sure, but I love the performances by most of the actors. I I actually think Scarlett Johansson's okay in the movie. Yeah. I think that it's it's definitely not her strongest performance. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think it's bad. I just think it clearly goes up a notch once we get to oh. the Avengers, and then it just gets better and better from there. Absolutely, yeah, and absolutely. And so in Avengers, in, in Iron Man two, she's serving a purpose, a very a very minimal uh, purpose. But the, the whole purpose was introducing her for get audiences ready for the Avengers, and people kind of you know I, a lot of people at that time and i'm not sure we were yeah we were doing we were doing shows by then uh and i remember thinking like yeah she was fine but people really hard on that character at the time and i was always like man that's pretty harsh just looking back on it I'm like ah man it's hard obviously this is hard to please in this pop culture nerd fandom if you will so when the avengers came out that's when obviously the whole thing shifted and you had Joss Whedon write the character. And I think he really got Natasha. And I know there's a lot of criticism of, of Joss from age of Ultron with her and Bruce, but you got to give Joss credit. He wrote, he did a, I mean, this a great job in Avengers in general, but I feel like he's the one that elevated black widow in the first place. I feel that Joss Whedon is, is the one responsible for giving black widow uh, in my opinion, kind of like the elevation, if you will, in in the MCU to where I think that you had the, uh, her using Winter Soldier. I feel like they, they that Scarlett Johansson and Joss Whedon's combo, her performance with the writing, it was a great uh, – it showed that you could overcome this, you know, I'd say not as great or not as uh, better written uh, material in Iron Man 2 to a much better material in, in Avengers – that I feel like the uh, Marcus McFeely, uh, that's her names, right? Always butcher yep. their names. Um, they did a, they ended up writing her into, again, I'm just assuming this, writing her into Winter Soldier because of all those things. Like, oh yeah, like she works great with Captain America. She works great with this. You had great chemistry with Chris Evans. You saw that on screen, and once they saw that, they go, okay, we can put her in here. And then you go to Winter Soldier, and she's even elevated even more. And she's fantastic. I, I think everyone... I mean, Winter Soldier is regarded as one of the better or uh, some kind of familiar, familiarity, if you will. They had to come out and, and introduce other characters with this. And uh, again, we need some other female heroes. And it was interesting that they went with Black Widow because Black Widow is not always is not has always been like a semi-popular character, but she's always been in just random, you know, never had her own series besides maybe a mini series here or there. If that, I don't even know if off the top of my head, if she did or not, maybe in the somewhere, somewhere in the mid nineties in the comic book boom, but she never really had her own series. She was well liked, but she was all over the place. She was like daredevils, like side, not sidekick, but like partner for a while, both romantically and also like working relationship where they, they fought crime together. She was part of shield, part of the Avengers. I mean, there was a comic, Comic, uh, I, I did no idea when I was reading this. I was reading a Spider-Man comic uh, from the early 60s or late 60s, if you will, early 70s, around that time. And Black Widow had a totally different looking costume. And in that very Spider-Man comic, and I'll, I'll whip out the, the number here in a second, in that Spider-Man comic, she dons her regular all black outfit like, oh, this is more like it. She tried to, to fight Spider-Man because she was she named herself Black Widow and said, this is how I'm going to prove myself. I had to defeat Spider-Man. It was just like, what? Crazy. Like, like basically, Natasha's been all over the place 
you know, all over the map in the Marvel universe. And, you know, it was one of those things where I thought it was interesting. They went that direction because she was an Avenger, but it was just kind of, she wasn't like a prominent Avenger. And when they, when they introduced her as agent of shield in Iron Man two, I thought, okay, that makes sense. And I, I am one of the, one of the few people in fandom, I feel who actually defends Iron Man two. I, I really like Iron Man two. It's got problems. Sure. But I love the performances by most of the actors. I, I actually think Scarlett Johansson's okay in the movie. Yeah. I think that it's it's definitely not her strongest performance. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think it's bad. I just think it clearly goes up a notch once we get to oh, the Avengers, and then it just gets better and better from there. Abs- yeah, and absolutely. And so in Avenger in, in Iron Man two, she's serving a purpose, a very a very minimal. Uh, purpose, but the, the whole purpose was introducing her for get audiences ready for the Avengers. And people kind of, you know, I, a lot of people at that time, and I'm not sure we were, yeah, we were doing, the, we were doing shows by then. Uh, and I remember thinking like, yeah, she was fine, but people really hard on that character at the time. And I was always like, man, that's pretty harsh. Just looking back on it, I'm like, ah, man, it's hard. Obviously, this is hard to please in this pop culture nerd fandom, if you will. So when the Avengers came out, that's when obviously the whole thing shifted, and you had Joss Whedon write the character, and I think he really got Natasha. And I know there's a lot of criticism of of Joss from Age of Ultron with her and Bruce, but you got to give Joss credit. He wrote, he did a I mean this a great job in Avengers in general. But I feel like he's the one that elevated Black Widow in the first place. I feel that Joss Whedon is is the one responsible for giving Black Widow, uh, in my opinion, kind of like the elevation, if you will, in in the MCU to where I think that you had. The, uh, her using Winter Soldier, I feel like they use they, that Scarlett Johansson and Joss Whedon's combo, her performance with the writing, it was a great. Uh, it showed that you could overcome this. You know, I'd say not as great or not as uh, better written uh, material in Iron Man Two to a much better material in in Avengers. That I feel like the uh, Marcus McFeely, uh, that, that's her names, right? Always butcher yep. their names. Um, they did a, they ended up writing her into. Again, I'm just assuming this, writing her into Winter Soldier because of all those things. Like, oh yeah, like she works great with Captain America. She works great with this. You had great chemistry with Chris Evans. You saw that on screen, and once they saw that, they go, okay, we can put her in here. And then you go to Winter Soldier, and she's even elevated even more, and she's fantastic. I, I think everyone. I mean, Winter Soldier is regarded as one of the better, or a lot of people regard it as the best MCU film, yeah. period, because of how uh, some kind of familiar, familiarity, if you will, they had to come out and, and introduce other characters with this. And uh, again, we need some other female heroes. And it was interesting that they went with Black Widow because Black Widow is not always, is not, has always been like a semi-popular character but she's always been in just random you know never had her own series besides maybe a mini series here or there if that i don't even know if off the top of my head if she did or not maybe in the somewhere somewhere in the mid 90s in the comic book boom but she never really had her own series she was well liked but she was all over the place she was like daredevil's like side not sidekick but like partner for a while both romantically and also like working relationship where they, they fought crime together she was part of shield part of the avengers i mean there was a 
comic, uh, I, I did no idea when I was reading this. I was reading a Spider-Man comic uh, from the early 60s or late 60s, if you will, early 70s, around that time. And Black Widow had a totally different looking costume. And in that very Spider-Man comic, and I'll, I'll whip out the, the number here in a second, in that Spider-Man comic, she dons her regular all black outfit like, oh, this is more like it. She tried to, to fight Spider-Man because she was she named herself Black Widow and said, this is how I'm going to prove myself. I defeat Spider-Man. It was just like, what? Crazy. Like, like basically, Natasha's been all over the place, you know, all over the map in the Marvel Universe. And, you know, it was one of those things where I thought it was interesting they went that direction because she was an Avenger, but it was just kind of – she wasn't like a prominent Avenger. And when they when they introduced her as uh, agent of Shield in Iron Man Two, I thought, okay, that makes sense. And I, I am one of the one of the few people in fandom I feel who actually defends Iron Man Two. I I really like Iron Man Two. It's got problems, sure, but I love the performances by most of the actors. I I actually think Scarlett Johansson's okay in the movie. Yeah. I think that it's it's definitely not her strongest performance. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think it's bad. I just think it clearly goes up a notch once we get to oh, the Avengers, and then it just gets better and better from there. Absolutely, yeah, and absolutely. And so in Avenger, in, in Iron Man two, she's serving a purpose, a very, a very minimal uh, purpose. But the, the whole purpose was introducing her for get audiences ready for the Avengers, and people kind of, you know, I, a lot of people at that time. And I'm not sure we were, yeah, we were doing, we were doing shows by then. Uh, and I remember thinking like, yeah, she was fine, but people really hard on that character at the time. And I was always like, man, that's pretty harsh. Just looking back on it. I'm like, ah, man, it's hard. Obviously this is hard to please in this pop culture nerd fandom, if you will. So when the Avengers came out, that's when obviously the whole thing shifted and you had Joss Whedon write the character. And I think he really got Natasha. And I know there's a lot of criticism of, of Joss from Age of Ultron with her and Bruce, but you got to give Joss credit. He wrote, he did a, I mean, this, a great job in Avengers in general, but I feel like he's the one that elevated Black Widow in the first place. I feel that Joss Whedon is, is the one responsible for giving Black Widow, uh, in my opinion, kind of like the elevation, if you will, in, in the MCU to where I think that you had – the, uh, her use in Winter Soldier. I feel like they use they, that Scarlett Johansson and Joss Whedon's combo, her performance with the writing, it was a great, uh, it showed that you could overcome this, you know, I'd say not as great or not as uh, better written uh, material in Iron Man 2 to a much better material in, in Avengers that I feel like the uh, Marcus McFeely, uh, that, that's her names, right? I always butcher yep. their names. Um, they did a, they ended up writing her into, again, I'm just assuming this, writing her into Winter Soldier because of all those things. Like, oh yeah, like she works great with Captain America. She works great with this. You had great chemistry with Chris Evans. You saw that on screen, and once they saw that, they go, okay, we can put her in here. And then you go to Winter Soldier, and she's even elevated even more. And she's fantastic. I, I think everyone... I mean, Winter Soldier is regarded as one of the better, or a lot of people would regard it as the best MCU film, yeah. period, because of how uh, some kind of familiar, familiarity, if you will, they had to come out and, and introduce other characters with this. And uh, again, we need some other female heroes. And it was interesting that they went with Black Widow because Black Widow is not always, is not, it's always been like a 
semi-popular character, but she's always been in just random, you know, never had her own series besides maybe a mini series here or there. If that, I don't even know if off the top of my head if she did or not, maybe in the somewhere, somewhere in the mid nineties in the comic book boom, but she never really had her own series. She was well liked, but she was all over the place. She was like daredevils, like side, not sidekick, but like partner for a while, both romantically and also like working relationship where they, they fought crime together. She was part of shield, part of the Avengers. I mean, there was a comic. Uh, I, I did no idea when I was reading this, I was reading a Spider-Man comic uh, from the early sixties or late sixties, if you will, early, 70s around that time and black widow had a totally different looking costume and in that very spider-man comic and i'll i'll whip out the the number here in a second in that spider-man comic she dons her regular all black outfit like oh this is more like it she tried to to fight spider-man because she was she named herself black widow and said this is how i'm going to prove myself i defeat spider-man it was just like what crazy like like basically natasha's been all over the place you know, all over the map in the Marvel universe. And, you know, it was one of those things where I thought it was interesting. They went that direction because she was an Avenger, but it was just kind of, she wasn't like a prominent Avenger. And when they, when they introduced her as an agent of shield in Iron Man two, I thought, okay, that makes sense. And I, I am one of the, one of the few people in fandom, I feel who actually defends Iron Man two. I, I really like Iron Man two. It's got problems. Sure. But I love the performances by most of the actors. I I actually think Scarlett Johansson's okay in the movie. Yeah. I think that it's it's definitely not her strongest performance. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think it's bad. I just think it clearly goes up a notch once we get to oh, the Avengers, and then it just gets better and better from there. Absolutely, yeah, and absolutely. And so in Avenger in, in Iron Man two, she's serving a purpose, a very a very minimal. Uh, purpose, but the, the whole purpose was introducing her for get audiences ready for the Avengers and people kind of, you know, I, a lot of people at that time. And I'm not sure we were, yeah, we were doing the, We were doing shows by then. Uh, and I remember thinking like, yeah, she was fine, but people really hard on that character at the time. And I was always like, man, that's pretty harsh. Just looking back on it, I'm like, ah, man, it's hard. I mean, obviously, this is hard to please in this pop culture nerd fandom, if you will. So when the Avengers came out, that's when obviously the whole thing shifted, and you had Joss Whedon write the character, and I think he really got Natasha. And I know there's a lot of criticism of of Joss from Age of Ultron with her and Bruce, but you got to give Joss credit. He he did a I mean this a great job in Avengers in general. But I feel like he's the one that elevated Black Widow in the first place. I feel that Joss Whedon is is one responsible for giving Black Widow, uh, in my opinion, kind of like the elevation, if you will, in in the MCU to where I think that you had. The, uh, her use in Winter Soldier. I feel like they use they, she, that Scarlett Johansson and Joss Whedon's combo, her performance with the writing, it was a great, uh, it showed that you could overcome this, you know, I'd say not as great or not as uh, better written uh, material in Iron Man 2 to a much better material in, in Avengers that I feel like the uh, Marcus McFeely, uh, that's her names, right? I always butcher yep. their names. Um, they did a, they ended up writing her into, again, I'm just assuming this, writing her into Winter Soldier because of all those things. Like, oh yeah, like she works great with Captain America. She works great with this. You had great chemistry with Chris Evans. You saw that on screen, and once they saw that, they go, okay, we can put her in here. And then you go to Winter Soldier, and she's even elevated even more. And she's fantastic. I, I think everyone... 
I mean, Winter Soldier is regarded as one of the better, or a lot of people would regard it as the best MCU film, yeah. period, because of how uh, some kind of familiar, familiarity, if you will, they had to come out and, and introduce other characters with this. And uh, again, we need some other female heroes. And it was interesting that they went with Black Widow because Black Widow is not always, is not, it's always been like a semi-popular character, but she's always been in just random, you know, never had her own series besides maybe a mini series here or there. If that, I don't even know if off the top of my head, if she did or not, maybe in the somewhere, somewhere in the mid nineties in the comic book boom, but she never really had her own series. She was well liked, but she was all over the place. She was like daredevils, like side, not sidekick, but like partner for a while, both romantically and also like working relationship where they, they fought crime together. She was part of shield, part of the Avengers. I mean, there was a comic. Uh, I, I did no idea when I was reading this, I was reading a Spider-Man comic uh, from the early sixties or late sixties, if you will, early seventies around that time. And black widow had a 